I'm Alex McDougald, and this is In Conversation With, a podcast series in which guests share their stories, thoughts, and insights. Today, I'm with Professor Andy Yap, and we are exploring the world of executive presence and soft power leadership strategies. Professor Andy Yap is an assistant professor of organizational behavior at INSEAD, and whose research and teaching expertise includes executive presence, power and politics, leadership communication, and leading high impact teams. He's also the program director of INSEAD's new online program, Executive Presence and Influence. Andy, thank you so much for being with me today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So executive presence, a really interesting topic. And I thought we could maybe open with a very sort of broad uh, introduction into how you define executive presence. Well, executive presence is a very important skill set. Um, it's a very complex skill set. It's the ability to communicate, inspire, and lead others through the way you interact with them, you know, the things that you say or the things that you do, the way you interact with people, as well as your body language. Okay. And most importantly, you do those things through building trust and confidence such that others are attracted to you rather than you imposing yourself or your authority on them. Is it something that's then, if you like, complementary to the more traditional ways people perhaps view management and leadership? Oh, um, absolutely. I think, so leaders have, have a lot of resources. And one of the resources they have is the rank, the title, um, the resources that come with the, 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 the position. And people could use that to influence people, to lead people. So you could say, you know, do this because I'm your boss. Do this because I'm going to be evaluating you. Um, they have a lot of power. But these are tactics that we call hard power tactics, whereby you know, when you use it on your subordinates, um, your subordinates are more likely to feel um, threatened. They're more likely to feel like, oh, I have to, you know, I'm obliged to fulfill my, my, my duties to you, not because they want to or they feel motivated to, but because they, they have to. Executive presence, just like many other skill sets relevant to you know, charismatic leadership or transformational leadership, um, those involve the use of what we call soft power, um, whereby you're influencing people, but you're not hitting them with a big bat or anything like that, but rather you, you're influencing them because they're attracted to you. They're influencing them because um, they feel like, you know, I respect you and therefore I want to follow your lead. I respect you because of your one. I, I respect you because of your, your, uh, not only your position, especially in how high power distance cultures, they value positions and titles a lot, but they respect beyond that. They respect you as an individual. They respect your character, your personality, the ethics that you have. Um, and they respect being around you and therefore they are being attracted to you and therefore are more willing to be led by you. So executive presence is uh, a skill set, a very complex skill set. It involves multiple constructs that allow leaders to, to lead using the soft power tactics. I mean, you spent many years um, researching the topic and, uh, and also teaching it at INSEAD. What are some of the, from your experience, the um, typical ways that executive presence exhibited in, in the tools that, that can be built to do so? Well, in, in my, my own research and, and my own study of this construct, uh, I, I think a couple of elements that are very important, the key elements of executive presence. I think one of them is communication. I mean, you must be able to communicate. Uh, you must be able to tell a good story when you are pitching an idea to your boss or to your clients or even to your subordinates when you tell them to do certain things. Um, how do you communicate in ways that make your ideas stick and not just one thing that they listen to and they forget about it? Um, how do you communicate in ways that not only the ideas stick, but it transforms and it feels like, hey, I'm going to take action. I'm going to do what you say. 
Um, so communication is one important aspect of executive presence. A very, a very uh, related one is body language. Um, my wife often tells me it's not just what you say that matters, but how, you know, how you say it matters as well. In fact, sometimes how you say it um, really shapes the message that you're trying to deliver and communicate. And so uh, how you, you know, for example, when you're giving a, a talk or you're giving a presentation or a pitch, you know, the way you use your hands, you gesture or not gesture, how you gesture them, are you doing too much gesturing because that would signal that you're anxious are you doing too little? Because again, that will signal again you're, you're anxious or you're, you're or you you you're, you're controlling your body language too much. Um, the way you stand, your posture, um, even a virtual medium, you know, the way we we're communicating one another via Zoom. Um, do we do we show some degree of charisma and presence from the way we talk to people via Zoom? Are you able to attract people through the eyes, the small lenses of the video camera that you have uh, in front of you? Um, those things matter. Um, when you tell people that I trust you from your body language, it also reveals where you truly trust that person. So your body language is another crucial element of executive presence. Well, I, th I think the third, the third element, which closely linked to what I just said, is, is trust. Because, you know, many times, you know, I, in, in business schools and, and in many other um, learn, high-level learning uh, institutions, they teach about the ability to persuade people with the ability to influence. And I think that's important for leaders. If leaders cannot influence beyond the use of authority or formal power, then they're not very effective leaders. Uh, they must be able to use influence tactics. Influence tactics are grounded on, on, on the psychology of how people behave. That's important. I think that's an important element of executive presence. But what's more important to be able to build uh, long-term, long-lasting business relationships in today's so business societies, uh, you need to be able to build trust because build trust first before you try to persuade. And, and trust is, a, again, a very complex construct uh, that involves many different aspects and scholars have studied this for decades. I'm happy to unpack this further later on. Um, but if you're able to build trust with people, people are more likely to build, you know, to, to work with you in the longer term. Um, they're more attracted to you. Uh, and then when you use persuasion tactics in combination with trust, you've got to be even more effective. It's interesting. You mentioned a couple of things there, and particularly I wanted to ask about the relationship side of things, because the more I hear you speak about it the, and, and the way I, I start to understand what executive presence is, feels to me a lot of, when it comes to, say, body language, influencing, inspiring, um, and sort of the sort of techniques or traits you've just mentioned, it is about crafting a relationship with someone fundamentally is that right well, well absolutely i think i think the goal for most people especially in in uh as leaders is to be able to build strong relationships with people their employees as well as you know uh, their clients um because it's more sustainable like you say um but that's a tricky part because you can learn how to influence and persuade them right there are many different tactics that allow you to uh overcome some of the psychological uh, uh, biases that people may have and therefore influence them in a certain way. Uh, but the moment they find out that you're just using influence tactic on them, they are probably not going to like you. However, on the other hand, if they trust you um, and they know that you're using some of these influence tactics to persuade them and fundamentally, fundamentally they've already trusted you for a variety of reasons, they are willing to be led by you. They are willing to be persuaded by you because they trust you. They trust your values. They trust your ethics. They trust that you're looking out for them in the long run. Um, and that's essentially more sustainable. But the thing about trust is that it's, it's very tricky. You know, it takes a lifetime to build, one split second to destroy. Um, a single lie discovered is enough 
for people to doubt every single truth expressed. So you've got to be very careful with trust. It's very vulnerable. Um, it's, you know, some people say it's like, it's like a piece of paper, you know? It's beautiful without creases. The moment you crush it up, you, know, you can try and uh, uh, remove the creases, but the creases are always going to be there and never be the same piece of paper ever again. You mentioned an, uh, just then earlier about doing too much and, and alienating people through certain behaviors because you try too hard. When we think about executive presence, uh, body language, and building those kind of relationships in ways that are authentic, how important is it to create balance when you think of executive presence? And, and can it genuinely just go too far? Well, in my experience working with executives and, and, and um, my experience studying the way people try to influence and persuade people, uh, there, there are three common mistakes that people make. Um, the first one is exactly what you just said. You, you, you try too hard. Um, and, and, you know, in, in, in the sales uh, uh, domain, people call it hard selling. You know, you, you try really hard to get the person to, to buy and you, you give all kinds of information. You flood them with so much information. Um, but what that does is that the people actually ironically do not get persuaded. They, you start appearing inauthentic. People start wondering, hey, why are you trying so hard? Um, is it because your product is not that good, you know, and you're trying really hard? Um, you lose credibility when you do that. So there is some, 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 you know, some kind of an ironic effect taking place where you, you know, give people too much information. That doesn't work because you start appearing uh, to lose credibility. People stop trusting you and you appear really desperate. So that's one big mistake we see very often um, that I think, leaders as well as people in, in, in sales you avoid doing. The second mistake is that you focus so much on facts. Um, we are humans after all, and, and humans make decisions not only based on facts, but also on emotions. This reminds me of um, you know, my early days as a young academic more than a decade ago. I, I remember I was intrigued by social psychology and intrigued by the fact that, hey, people you know, uh, in social psychology back in the day, we always show a lot of biases that people have and therefore people do silly things. You know, why are people persuaded by, by simple things like that? And I really wanted to understand the rational mind. And so I, I spent a lot of time studying, you know, why do people make irrational mistakes? And I realized that um, over the many years of studying that, people are people not because they're rational. People are people because they have emotions. Humans have emotions. And people make decisions not only based on facts, but based on emotions. So as you're persuading people, you need to be able to understand the emotions that they are experiencing. Um, and we, in some form, we, we call them empathy. We also use a lot of perspective taking these days as a, as, a, as a technique to take other people's vantage point and understand why they like or don't like something. And that's crucial in, in how you influence people. Um, the, the last one, the last thing that I think that most people uh, who are not trained in, in persuasion science or in executive presence may actually uh, fall into this trap, which is that they think that persuasion, they make only, like, they think that, you know, when persuading someone, you have only one shot, you know, so you just like throw all your eggs in one basket and try to persuade a person, all the facts at one time. What I encourage people to do is plan your persuasion shots. Um, the order, the timing, the combination of different uh, uh, persuasion executive present techniques that you want to use. Uh, you got to plan it really well. Play the long-term game. Um, in some ways, it's a lot about change management where you teach my teach executives to drive change in the organization. It's not just you writing an email to all your executives and say, this is what I need to do and get things done. We're going to change our culture with that one email. No, no way. You've got to plan your persuasion shots. You've got to, you know, 
figure out who you need to convince first. Who are the key stakeholders? What's the order, the timing, the combination of some of these techniques that you're going to use on these people? That's how you change an organization. And in some ways, you want to persuade an idea, it involves that too. Um, it reminds me of a, um, a, a very interesting quote by uh, Frank Underwood. Um, for some of you who watch House of Cards, especially the American version, he said something really interesting. Of course, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Frank Underwood because you know he's you know, not exactly ethical, but he has some interesting words of wisdom. He said this, you cannot turn a no to a yes without a maybe between. Um, too often, we try to convert a no to a yes right away when we are trying to negotiate with someone or persuade someone. You know, sometimes you know, you're going to understand their position and from there, you can at least get them to think of the maybe and from maybe it turns to a yes later on. So play the long-term game, plan your position shorts. Thank you, Andy, and thank you to our audience for listening in. This was part one of our conversation on executive presence and soft power leadership. If you've enjoyed this episode, we will be back for part two shortly. If you'd like to know more about Professor Yap or about our new executive presence and influence program, you will find the links in the podcast description.